0: Similar to a well-tuned automobile, a guitar requires the same level of attention to perform at its very best. No matter how expensive your guitar may be, we will treat you and your instrument with the utmost respect. Call 920-723-1733 or visit jeffsguitar.com. Jeff's Guitar Clinic in Ford Atkinson, we love guitars. The attorneys at Jingris, Thompson & Wachs have had the honor of receiving numerous awards for their work both in and outside the courtroom. But just as important as receiving accolades for being skilled attorneys, it's equally important to give back to the community in which they live and work. If you want a personal attorney that can help you in so many different areas, they've got them. They're in Eau Claire, Madison, Milwaukee, and Waukesha. They're easy to reach gtwlawyers.com. Welcome to another podcast at Sly's Office.com, brought to you by our friends at the Operating Engineers, Local 139, and the Teamsters from Madison, Local 695. Joining us now, Associate Editor of the Capital Times and Contributor for the Nation, John Nichols. Brother John, how are you? I'm good, sir. How are you? Good. Say, uh, okay. the Capital Times wrote a very interesting editorial about Tony Evers, Governor Evers, and the maps. Explain explain this situation, because it's extremely complicated for people.
1: Yeah, I think it's a little complicated, and I also think, um, you know, because there's been so much kind of back and forth on this that that some people aren't watching the minutiae of it, right? The day-to-day uh, maneuverings. They just figure uh, folks have kind of grouped on one side or the other, and there's clarity. But in this case, as is... This- you know, you can expect from Robin Boss, uh, there's an effort to destroy clarity, right, to kind of mess things up and and maybe come out ahead. And so when the Supreme Court, you know, decided to take up the, the redistricting case and address gerrymandering in Wisconsin, it, it took proposals from a lot of different folks, you know, on how to draw better maps, fairer maps. One of those proposals came from the governor. Uh, it was no more uh, significant or no more uh, valuable than any of the other proposals that came in. It's one of the suggestions that was put before the court. And um, the court quickly re- rejected the Republican suggestions because they were absurd, right? They literally maintained, you know, radical gerrymandering. Uh, but the court has continued to entertain some of the other proposals for drawing fair maps. And that's kind of where we're at with the court. We're going to get a decision very soon, um, uh, probably within a matter of weeks, And uh, Boss is terrified of this. Robin Boss is Speaker of the State Assembly, because he knows that his majority is based entirely on gerrymandering, that if it wasn't for gerrymandering and for the radical redrawing of districts to be biased in favor of Republicans, Republicans would not control the legislature. And so
0: have he, I ever mentioned is, to you there's something about him that rubs me the wrong way?
1: You know a lot of folks, even his own constituents, who are currently <laughs> trying to recall him. Uh, but the so boss is looking for a last ditch way to get out of this, and he's tried all sorts of other stunts and they haven't worked, including all the way up to threatening to impeach Justice Janet Pro with. Um, and kind of everything's failed. So his last ditch attempt, which he convinced Republicans in the legislature to go along with, was to approve the governor's suggestion, right? Because the governor was one of the folks who had sent in suggestions to the court. And obviously this is a stunt to try and embarrass the governor into signing off on a suggestion rather than, you know, a good proposal for maps, right, or one that the court would necessarily find to be the the fairest, best approach. And they think that because the governor was, this was based on a compromise that the governor was trying to do several years ago, that um, boss feeling that they could still come out ahead. And so um, it wasn't a negotiation with the governor. It wasn't where the Assembly and the Senate, which are Republican-controlled, sat down with the Democratic governor and said, okay, let's come up with fair maps. That didn't happen. It, they just grabbed this suggestion, and they approved it. And now they've thrown it toward the governor. And they say, well, you got to sign this, right, because you suggested this to the court. Now, that's an absurd construct, right? It is, it's just boss trying to scheme his way one more time into maintaining an illicit majority. And what we wrote in the Cap Times was, what our editorial said, was, no, the governor shouldn't fall for this trick. He should let the court do its work. Um, and in particular, uh, because of where the things are at now with all the legalities, the governor shouldn't be approving his own suggestion, right? The governor should respect the process that, that he is a part of, that everyone else is a pro- part of. Um, we wouldn't want Boss to approve his suggestion which would have been for radical gerrymandering. You shouldn't want the governor to approve his suggestion, which was for a more modest improvement of things. You should let the court, which has been digging into this stuff, hired experts who are nonpartisan, you know, really trying to get it right. Let the court come come down with its proposed map. And, uh, and logically, likely, that will be a better fix than what, you know, what you're going to get from boss or from, you know, some sort of, you know, scheme that's playing out at this point.
0: Here's what I think maybe perplexes people. Why wouldn't the governor put forward better maps? You've taken a look at these maps. Uh, yep. it's, everyone, it's very hard to just look at them and figure out whether they're going, to, how they're going to come out in the wash.
1: But Unless you're Fred Kessler.
0: Unless, well, right. I mean, people that do this yeah. for, for yeah. a profession. Yeah. So why wouldn't the governor have put better maps out? And was he, you think he just kind of assumed the Republicans would never sign his maps?
1: I I think what the, the, no, you know, actually to be honest, I think that, you know, back when you had the initial fights over gerrymandering and over redistricting, right? The Republicans had something of an upper hand because of their wide majorities in the state assembly and the Senate. And so you know, at that point, when it didn't look like there was going to be a court intervention to try and get it right, I think the governor looked for a compromise, right? He hoped that that the Republicans might go for a compromise. So the governor's maps, at least the, the initial ones, and, they, you know, there's tinkering along the way, so I acknowledge that things can alter somewhat. But what the governor initially tried to do a couple of years ago was to, um, you know, get to some sort of common ground. The Republicans rejected that common ground, but in his effort to get toward that common ground, the governor drew maps that were very, very friendly to the Republicans. They weren't as radically gerrymandered as what Voss and his crew had done, but they were friendly. And as Voss says, remember, this is not me saying this. There are not some analysts saying this. This is Robin Voss saying that he thinks the Republicans can retain their majorities with the maps that the governor drew. And so by the nature of it, what you understand is that the governor drew a map that didn't, at least in this initial negotiations back a couple of years ago, the governor came up with something that didn't solve the problem. It didn't get us to fair maps.
0: OK, so it, here's so where I get a problem. little confused. And maybe you, you're a much smarter man than I am. No. no. Yeah, yeah, you are. So the, the maps that the governor turned in, when were they drawn? When were the maps that are that are now
1: that the court now has?
0: Right. Oh, that the Republicans passed.
1: The Republicans passed. Well, these are these are based on the maps, as best I understand, based on the maps that the governor um, developed a couple of years ago. Right. This this sort of compromise plan, and and it was, um, and it may, and, and I'm not party to everything that the governor and his his team have done, so it may have been updated some and altered, you know, somewhat. But basically. Um, what, what you need to understand like, is that the governor tried for a compromise position. Well,
0: you know, that's the, a terrible way to negotiate. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's but, but, that's just, a te- I mean, does he realize who he's dealing with here? No,
1: I realize that I understand what you're saying, but in fairness to the governor, you know, when, when he was negotiating a couple of years ago, trying to come up with a way to get something a little bit better, um, you know, that I, I can sort of understand where it's coming from. Now, however, when you have the court looking at all of the issues involved, and remember, there's a lot of issues in play here. Um, the governor's the governor's maps, uh, as initially developed and as updated, you know, but in this from this compromised position, um, they just aren't they aren't the right maps, right? It's not it's not a it's not a, a fair response to the problem. And that's why the vast majority of Democrats in the State Assembly and the State Senate voted against the governor's mass, right? It went, and the Republicans all voted for them, or almost all voted for them. Um, and, you know, look, you can get lost in recriminations and pointing fingers and saying somebody didn't do something right or did do something right along the way. The bottom line to understand is... Yet the crisis in Wisconsin since 2011 has been that Republicans radically gerrymandered the maps of the state and created a situation where no matter what the voters wanted, they were going to end up with Republican majorities in the state assembly and the state senate. That's not fair. That's not reasonable. That's not reflective of the will of the people. And so the court has intervened in this regard, saying these, the maps that were drawn were badly drawn. They had islands all over, and you know they were cobbled together in a way that, that was highly biased. So they're trying to do something better. Um, and it, at this point, a process has begun. It's a good process. It's one we should respect. And Robin Bloss is trying to interrupt it by grabbing something off the table and saying, well, let's pass this, right? No, let's not have the Assembly and the governor pass something that they that was essentially rejected in the past. Let's let the court finish its process. Now, there's going to be great pressure on the governor to sign his suggestion into law, right? I mean, you understand that, and that will that will come from you know uh, folks who don't understand the process, and also folks who want to bias the process. But it is notable, it is notable that, for instance, the leadership in the state assembly and the state state senate on the Democratic side has said, "No, these these maps don't solve the problem. They're not the solution." And uh, so, one would hope. That uh, that the governor would let the process see its way through, right? That that he would respect uh, the will of the voters of, the, of Wisconsin, who elected a Supreme Court, with full understanding that that if it had a progressive majority, that majority would seek to draw fair maps, and um, don't fall for a trick by Robin Voss. And and also one final thing, Voss, the governor did say a week or so ago, uh, at some point earlier, that. Um, that he would sign his maps, his suggestion. He would sign his suggestion into law if the uh, legislature didn't change anything. Um, I think that was an ill thought statement on his part. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have, you know, quote unquote, negotiated in that way. Um, but uh, it is important to understand that the, the legislature did change the governor's suggestion. It, it put in a proviso that has an influence on uh, special elections that might be held between now and the end of the year. And if you know the pattern of special elections in Wisconsin, we have quite a few of them. And because the Senate and the Assembly are teetering on the brink of uh, supermajorities for the Republicans, uh, if you have special elections under the old maps, uh, you put in a potential bias for the Republicans, for potentially a significant bias in favor of the Republicans. And so in that case, um, the maps have been altered sufficiently, uh, that people should be concerned. And, and even the governor's initial, um, suggestion that, that, or his initial, uh, bargaining point that he said, you know, you gotta pass them exactly as they were drawn. That didn't happen. Um, they will have an impact potentially on elections this year prior to the November elections. And so as a result, um, there's a good, there's a whole bunch of good reasons for putting, putting what the legislature has done aside, just not, not acting on it. And uh, letting the court finish its work.
0: So tell me this. Do you think that the general public has any idea about the, the fact that the I, – I think a lot of people are just making an assumption that the, the maps the governor put forward would bring parity, that the Democrats would have at least a chance of getting the legislature. Everything I've heard is they do not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look, I've, I've looked at the maps, and I think there's certainly more. What the governor suggested
1: um, was more competitive than what we have now. That is true. Anything right? so would be. And, right. Yeah, I know. It, it's, drawing out of a hat would be dramatically more, uh, more even-handed. Um, but uh, what he suggested would be an improvement on what we currently have. Um, but it is not a solution to the problem, right? It, it doesn't end... Um, the, the core problem that, that is, the court's been trying to address. And, and so uh, there are analysts wiser than me who say that the governor's maps would probably still produce Republican majorities, um, narrow Republican majorities, but Republican majorities. Now, in a very, very good Democratic year, it is possible that they could produce Democratic majorities. But This isn't necessarily shaping up as the easiest Democratic year. Even if it was, you don't bet
0: on it. It's a complicated year.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but you don't bet on things like that. You don't, you don't, when you're drawing maps for a 10 year period, which, you know, just to emphasize, the maps for this is not a 10 year period because we're well into it, but the maps that, that are being talked about now will be valid, would be valid for the 2024, 2026, 2028, and 2030. Elections, right? That's a lot of elections going into the, you know, heading into mid-century, and it would also they'd also be valid for all special elections. Um, So you're talking about hundreds of elections that would be based on these maps, not just what might happen this year uh, or what might happen in a good Democratic year or a good Republican year. Um, The better approach, the better approach, is to draw maps that are designed ideally to be fair. In whatever year, right? You know, to be to be good maps and that maps that would reflect the will of the people of Wisconsin. Under good maps, under fair maps, Republicans would still win elections. Democrats would still win elections. But when the people overwhelmingly favor Democrats, as they did by something like a, I think it was in the was it the 2012 election where there was a 200,000 vote uh, advantage for Democratic legislative candidates. And we've seen that in a couple of other—we've um, seen in a couple of, of uh, midterm election cycles that the Democrats got a lot more votes for legislative candidates than the Republicans, and yet the Republicans maintained supermajorities. Somehow that's not working. It's also not working. One final thing. If you look at the last, say, 20 or so elections, um, statewide elections in Wisconsin, Democrats have won the vast majority of them, you know, it, it, Overwhelmingly. And these are elections for governor, two elections for governor, two elections for attorney general, uh, multiple elections for the Supreme Court elections for state treasurer and secretary of state and other positions along the way. All of these elections, and superintendent of public instruction, now those aren't, that's not a Democratic election, that's a nonpartisan election, as with the court, but you get the point. Democrats and progressives have been on a winning streak, state, streak statewide, but that has not been reflected in legislative results. Robin Boss will tell you it's because the uh, Republicans nominate such great candidates for the legislature that they, they would win no matter what. <laughs> Fair enough. Then yeah. let them accept, accept the court snaps.
0: Stand by. We'll talk more. John Nichols from the Capitol Times with us at Sly'sOffice.com. We're back at Sly'sOffice.com, brought to you by Madison Computer Works and Jeff's Guitar Clinic. Joining us again, John Nichols from the Capitol Times. We've been talking about... Redistricting maps, whether the governor will sign the maps he submitted or whether the court will do the job. So, give me your sense of what's going on behind the scenes. If I know you, you've been talking to people. Uh, yeah. Where do you think the governor is? And what do you think? We know that the legislature is opposed to these maps. What do you think going on? Well, I
1: haven't spoken to the governor um, in the last few weeks, so I, I can't tell you where his head is at. And I wouldn't try, you know, I, I, if I did something off the record, I wouldn't uh, give away that confidence. Um, but uh, look, I will tell you, I think the governor is, is a fair and reasonable man who has served in public office for a long time, uh, won multiple statewide elections, and also had to deal with the frustration of a legislature that has blocked him. Literally tried to undermine his power uh, at, at many, many stages, including during the uh, coronavirus pandemic, which was just you know morally deeply troublesome. Uh, the, the circumstance that the, the legislature put the governor in. Um, so one would hope that, that he would look at this uh, with a skeptical eye, and and you know not imagine that uh, that. You know, Robin Boss is doing, doing the right thing finally, or, or even that, that he somehow got Robin Boss cornered uh, and Robin Boss is somehow giving him a gift. Boss is trying to suggest this is some sort of gift to the governor. It's not. Um, so I, I think that that bottom line is uh, that I think you've got a governor uh, who, who knows the play and hopefully will think about um, how to do this right. Now he's going to get pressure from. Uh, Democrats. I think a lot of Democrats who are saying, "Let the court do its job." Right. I, I think that'll be the overwhelming uh, message from Democratic legislators, members of Congress, others. Um, in fact, I would know that's the case because they're actually saying it. Um, uh, he'll get pressure from maybe some newspaper editorial boards. I don't know if there's any left besides from the Cap Times, um, and uh, and and also from uh, you know obviously Boss and others to to sign it and. The challenge here will be a political pressure on the governor. Now, the governor has sent some signals that he might want to run for a third term. Uh, He's certainly not running, it's a long time off, but he sent some signals there. I suppose there are people who will be aides, allies, you know, who would say, look, if you sign these maps, you'll come across as a very bipartisan guy, a guy who, you know, is willing to work with anybody, even people who haven't treated you well. Um, And so that's that would be one of the political gambits that might be suggested. The only counsel I'd give you is um, you're dealing with Robin boss. Robin boss um, is a genius for taking whatever he's given and turning it into more than what he, what he should have. Right. Um, He's done that with gerrymandering. He's done that with the transition process when Tony Evers beat Scott Walker. um, And, I, I think that that the governor, one would hope that the governor is getting wise counsel from people, and I, I think I would, you know, in a state like Wisconsin, you always turn to someone like Congressman Mark Pocan, uh folks like that, um, who would say, you know, how do you get to fair maps? How do you get to where you need to be? And I think, again, I won't speak for Pocan or for anybody else, but I think their counsel would be, um, don't, uh, don't, you know, kind of jump in the mud with Robin Boss because usually when somebody jumps in the mud with robin boss somehow robin boss comes out wearing a clean suit but the person who jumped in with him looks a mess
0: while we're dreaming he's scheming
1: yeah. so so and and by the way if i can just say that's his job right you like him dislike him but he is the leader of a of a party that does not attract majority support in wisconsin anymore that's lost two presidential races that's lost two gubernatorial races, that's lost multiple statewide races, that you know, has seen its candidates lose control of the state Supreme Court, they're on a very, very bad losing streak. And he is kind of their only, you know, their only bulwark uh, at this point against the will of the people. And uh, whether you like it or not, uh, he's going gonna to try every stunt he can to maintain his power.
0: Well, you know what? Tom Loftus and Tommy Thompson didn't like each other, but they still found a way to govern, and understood that both had a rightful place in making decisions. Yep. Right? Well, they understood those thought, rules, those basic rules.
1: You no, know, the basic premises of Wisconsin have been turned upside down here. Right? I mean, and this is this isn't a new development. This is something that roots back certainly to into Scott Walker's governorship, and there's people that would would trace back a good deal further than that. Um, but, but here's the bottom line. Um, Wisconsin used to be an overwhelmingly Republican state, one of the most Republican states in the country. Um, in the late early, early 1940s, early 1950s in the state legislature, Democrats didn't win enough seats to actually form a functional caucus. Um, when Democrat, a handful of Democratic legislators, one of them was Gaylord Nelson, wanted to move a bill or to, to speak on something, they needed a Republican to hold their hand, basically, to help them through. Mel Laird. One of the most conservative members of the legislature um, from up in, you know, central Wisconsin, uh, future Nixon secretary of defense, Mel Laird, went to Gaylord Nelson, one of the most liberal members of the legislature ever, and said, you got a bill. you got something you want to say, something you want to do. I'll, you know, I'll back you up on it so that you can be heard. Right. That's how the legislature used to operate. And that that happened, you know, well into modern times you know, or recent times. Uh, if you go back and look at Scott McCallum's uh, inaugural address when Tommy Thompson went off to Washington with George W. Bush, Scott McCallum became governor, that address was, a, a, I think, a very sincere appeal for legislative cooperation and, and um, very bipartisan and, and very, in many ways, very visionary speech, much forgotten today. Um, but, you know, that was, that was barely 20 years ago. So, yeah, it's not ancient history, where we had uh, Republicans and Democrats working together with respect for for you know the the role that the other would play. What's changed, Sly, and it's a huge change, is that we no longer have races for governor that cost seven hundred or eight hundred thousand dollars, maybe a jaw dropping million dollars. Now we have races for governor that, when you add it all up, are looking you know closer toward 80000000 dollars um and where legislative contests if it's a close contest in a key district you know can go well into the millions i mean the fact of the matter is our politics in wisconsin has been invaded by outside interests billionaires like the Koch brothers and others um corporate special interests and others that have come in and wanted to manipulate the process in wisconsin all right as part of that they've turned it into something so industrial that many of the old niceties are are no longer respected
0: so that raises my next question. Perfect setup. Uh, J.B. Pritzker and many other people put millions, and I think Pritzker put in over a million dollars in that Supreme Court race. Mm -hmm. If (laughs) Democrats end up with the governor signing something the Republicans passed, and I've heard, like, at least in this cycle, the highest the Democrats could get in the state Senate would be 14 members. I don't Think And I hate to put it this crassly, John, but I don't think Governor Pritzker, who's also a very smart businessman, would think that that's a very good return on investment. Hate to be well, that. Hate to be that. That's crass. Pretty crap. That's pretty crass. <laughs> well, um, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, you know, we're not dealing with th- these are people who have n- not confirmed some of the most qualified candidates for cabinet positions ever. Yeah, Governor Evers has had to pull teeth just to get an occasional person passed.
1: Yeah, I, I look, I understand the the complexity of the situation, and here's what I say: um, Wisconsin's become such a, is such a battleground state. There's still money going to flow into Wisconsin, but um, if if you are saying that you know people, and, and it it just about money? I mean, put aside Governor Pritzker, and people like that, and I'm glad to let them stay in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, think about all the the people like in Rice Lake and Washera and Union Grove and and Mineral Point um, who went out and really campaigned hard to elect Janet Protasewicz as a justice on the state supreme court last year. Got it before dawn. I I've,
0: okay, I've, but and the- and that's that's true because you know to to be fair, yeah. I was I was part of that. Uh, yeah. So. But I, I, I don't think those people know that the governor's maps aren't very good.
1: Well, I fear, the, I fear that, you know, we barely got a media in Wisconsin
0: anymore. Right. And so so here's, um, my, here's my point. Yeah. I bet J.B. Prisker knows those maps aren't very good. And how much do you want to bet that he's called Tony Evers? And I'm <laughs> not just pick, I, I'm not picking on him. He's actually been a pretty good governor. But there, there's, you know, there's a lot at stake here and there are a lot of people that have invested a lot of their resources towards this I, oh, I guess i'm just trying to paint the pictures that the governor must be coming under considerable pressure
1: i think that's true and i think also uh the governor has to face the the question of um you know whether whether people will will trust that you know when they make a commitment, uh, again, and I focus on those grassroots activists who I still believe are the driving force in our politics. Even with all the money, the people who make a commitment to try and uh, try and achieve something, if they get undercut by you know the politics inside the capital, right? You know, Robin boss scheming and somebody bending to the to Robin boss's schemes, um, does that feed into frustration? Does it create a situation where people just lack faith? In, in, you know, starts to wonder, boy, you know, can we ever get a fair break out of this? Can we ever get, you know, beyond the petty politics to something real and something fair, you know, something reasonable and balanced for the great mass of people in Wisconsin? And, um, and it could feed a lot of cynicism. Frankly, a deal between vaunts and, and, and you know, anybody else always feeds cynicism. But in this case, um, I just think it, you know, as I've said, it. I, I think the governor would be better off uh, I think, for the values that, that he's often been associated with, and that is, you know, fairness, decency, um, trying to trying to do right by the people of Wisconsin, he would be better off in this situation to, frankly, you know, take the criticism, whatever criticism there is, um, step back and let the, the court do its job. I mean, that is not an unreasonable ask at this point. And I think it is what um, the majority of the people who... It, among other things, voted for Janet Protosewitz and, and for the progressives who formed the majority on the Supreme Court. I think that's what they wanted. Um, they recognized that the redistricting process had collapsed within the Capitol; that it had become corrupted by the Republicans, and they just decided, you know, look, we're going to have to elect a court that will straighten this thing out. That court was elected; it is doing its job. Um, this is not a wise time in which to to try and upend it uh, with. A compromise that was rejected in the past, right? It's much better to go for something that that might actually work.
0: All right. So people have said, "Oh, he's going to look terrible if he doesn't sign his own maps. He's going to look completely cynical. The Republicans are going to squeal like pigs." What's your response to that?
1: They will. They will complain, of course. But but you know, with all due respect, um, I, I think because you know that there's going to be partisan positioning on all sides, right? That Republicans are going to scream if he does one thing, Democrats are going to scream if he does something else. Um, it, it's always wise when it gets that complicated to try and do the right thing, right? You know, it's as simple as that. And the the right thing is to let the court finish its work, um, let the court do its job. Uh, don't don't go for a compromise that was rejected in the past. Go for something better. And um, and so yeah, there'll be there'll be all sorts of sturm and stirring. But why you've been around this for a little bit. Um, Is longer longer than I. Uh, so you answer me this question: Do you think that the attention span of our political leaders, and particularly of Robin Boss and people like that, um, you know, will keep them on the same theme for more than a week? I don't. I, I mean, I think I'm, I'm going to try there.
0: to quote somebody here, <laughs> and I think it's Rick Wilson from the Lincoln Group. And he once said that Donald Trump had the attention span of a flea on meth. Oh, so no, I don't. I don't think they will stay on it for a particularly long time. I also don't think it would be a very effective issue in the 2024 legislative races. No, you know,
1: you know, here's the bottom line. In the 2024, legislative races across Wisconsin are competitive with, you know, outstanding candidates put up by both parties because they know they can't just nominate, you know, whoever comes along or whoever's most extreme. They've got to nominate competitive candidates. So if we've got across this state uh, a cadre of, you know, much better Republican candidates than we've had in the past and more and, frankly, maybe better Democratic candidates than we've had in the past. If it's really competitive all over the state, people in urban, rural, suburban Wisconsin are looking at serious contests, uh, which could decide, control the legislature. And if those contests are based on issues and ideas and, you know, we're getting back to how I grew up in Wisconsin, how you grew up in Wisconsin, where legislative races were real and, and there wasn't just a handful of competitive ones, they were all over. Um, I think that's what people will notice, right? Well, they will notice the fact that they've got choices.
0: Would it be safe to say— that people that are independent or trying to be objective and fair. There's a metric. You can judge how this all comes out. That is how many competitive seats we have. Yeah. Is that not, I mean, that's not complicated. Yeah. No, it's not at all. And that's what I'm saying. I mean, I think people can,
1: uh, you know, t- people can take a look at their, their circumstance in the weeks going up to an election. And frankly, on election day, if they've got a real choice, And if it's a good choice, right, if it's actually a choice between, you know, a a sensible Republican, a sensible Democrat, and you can look at it and you say, well, you know, on balance, I'd like this person more because of their issues or whatever, Um, that's getting us in the right direction. And frankly, that's getting us to to where um, we were not that long ago. And I don't want to be romantic or nostalgic. I know that politics evolves in fact I probably know it as well as anybody that, that politics has evolved it's become much uglier, much more industrial, much more crude. Um, but at some fundamental level, um, I think what people want is you know what the intent of of redistricting was and that redistricting's intent historically was to create districts across Wisconsin that represent different regions, different areas, and allow them to have competitive elections where, you know, people on, you know, both sides of the partisan aisle in their area uh, come up and and talk about how they do a better job.
0: All right, right. I got to wrap things up, but I'll say this, wherever there's been a referendum, whether it be a blue part of the state or a red part of the state, overwhelmingly, those referendums that have called for independent redistricting reform have passed overwhelmingly. John Nichols from the Capital Times and The Nation, thanks for coming to Sly's office. It's a pleasure
1: to be with you.